2: So when you gather and you decide to go to church, it's not like, do we have time today? Do anything else better happening? Let's go to church. Uh, hey, that's a great church. They got good music, good parking, good this, good that. And so all of a sudden it becomes the greatest Christian club or rec center that we can go to that is all about meeting my needs. Now, is that what God wants us to have? So to understand that and to define that, we have to understand the seriousness of the birth. How many of you tragically would watch girls, young girls, women, young women, have babies, one after the other after the other, and you're wondering, why are you doing this? Well, because everybody else has it. Right now in Hollywood, there's a big deal. Let's adopt as many kids from foreign countries. I think that's really great. But I wonder how much, when they take that child in, are they going to work with that child and groom it? Or is this just nothing more than a human pet? Okay, now I'm saying that to say the church is the body of Christ, it is not just a part of something I do if I really like to do it, when I have time to do it. I'm a Christian, so therefore I go to church. Church is so very important. Now watch this, watch this. We don't worship church though. We're a part of its mechanism and often it's health or the lack thereof. So it goes back to the spirit. All right, you ready again? Chapter 14, look in verse 16. Jesus speaking again and he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, re- re- implying when Jesus leaves that he may be with you forever. Would you underline the word forever? That's telling me that the Spirit will not go in and out of your life. Once the Spirit comes at the birth of the church, and that happened 2,000 years ago, so now it is happening in your life, he will be with you forever. Say that with me. Forever. There's nothing you can do to drive him away. There's a lot you can do to grieve him. There's a lot you can do to quench him. But at the same time, he will never leave you which again, Jesus says he'll never leave us. So now we got the Trinity and the deity thing going. All right, it goes on to say here, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. In other words, they will never be able to receive the spirit until they come to know Christ as Savior. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. You might want to underline the word with and the word in for a moment. That's important for you to understand because later on when I talk about being baptized with the spirit and here it's with you and in you, what would this mean? Now, again, listen very carefully because I've got to give you the timeline. We are at a time that the church hasn't been born. The Spirit yet hasn't come inside of people, uh, believers. So now you have what they call the transition. If you do a study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, what you're going to find when you study about Him is that the Holy Spirit would come upon those followers of the Lord Jehovah. We would call them Old Testament saints if they followed him, served him, they would be given the spirit with them. It would come or he would come upon them. And he would do it for special acts of service, pronounced acts of service that the Lord needed to have done. Now for years I used to think Old Testament he came upon, New Testament he came within. And I used to teach it like it was black white until I was writing this theology book for the guys in our classes that we've been teaching. I and I found out that the Holy Spirit, yes, frequently came on, more frequently, upon them in the Old Testament. But there are verses that says that he came within them. In the Old Testament, it said the Holy Spirit would come upon and could leave them. In the New Testament, it says he will come in the person, the believer, and will never leave them. So the economy of the, whole, of the, of the Holy Spirit differs from Old Testament Jewish believers and New Testament and today's Christians, believers. So there's a little bit of a difference. So why am I making such a big deal? Well, so you'll know this. But more than that, that's why he said he will abide with you because they're Old Testament saints. Like, well, this is New Testament. Yeah, but the church hasn't been born yet. So in a sense, they're, they're carryover from the Old Testament. So he'll be with you guys, but he will be in the future in you. So he abides now with you, but he will be in you in the future. So we got a potential thing going on. He's promising. He's coming again. It's kind of like this woman is now large and she's ready to give birth, but not yet. It's not very far off. It's going to happen. Now verse 25. These things have I spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and underlying the word will there. Let me park on that for a second. When you see the word will send in my name, I look at two things. Will is, is telling me that it's in the future. And some of you will see that as the future. But I'd like you to add to that, he will as a promise. It's not just something that is gonna happen in the future, but it's a promise. Um I had some I had good parents growing up, and I thank the Lord for it. Sometimes my dad would, would tell me something, he says, Stan um, on Saturday, I will take you fishing or to the beach to go surfing, which he mostly did because I couldn't drive at the time and strapped the board to the car to the beach would go. And so he'd say, "Dad." Dad would say, I will take you to the beach. Well, I understood that as a promise, all right? And uh, sometimes he didn't keep that promise. Here, it's a promise of something that's going to happen, but it's also under a sovereign God, watch this, that has the ability to make that happen. So when he says that will come, then you can understand that it is a promise that he made by a God who can keep that promise. So he is a promise maker, God, and he is a promise keeper, And we are now living a result of his word that said he would do this. So now we are after that fact. He has come. He is inside of me. God made a promise back in those days and he kept that promise. And we have it today. We have the church. That's now the doctrine of theology. So we've already covered three doctrines here. Let's go back to this. It says here, who will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Boy, this thing just keeps getting bigger and better all the time. All right, let's go back to chapter 15 now. Chapter 15, if you will, verse 26. Again, I want you to see the the promise of God getting ready to send the Spirit because this Spirit right here, listen, 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 is absolutely essential to the birth of the church. The Spirit of God is absolutely essential. Here it is, for the sustaining of the church. One more time. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the growth of the church. So that's why we have to learn about why he's sending the Spirit, why he keeps saying over and over again, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, till the Spirit comes and I'm going to send the Spirits. So it's going to come. I think because now they're really hearing how important the Spirit of God is. When I taught this in our Bible studies of the guys, sometimes I said, we we look at the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Kind of like the old-fashioned Native American totem pole. God is more important. He's on top. Then you got Jesus. He's next. And the Holy Spirit is number three. And it's not that way with God. They are all equally. They're all important. They all have not only value, but they all have reasons to exist for each other because now we have the Trinity in place. All right, verse 26 When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will, and I underlined that in my Bible, send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. I love that. So the Spirit of God is the one who's going to keep our focus on Christ and making him known. And verse 27, and you will testify also of me. And it's an interesting uh, put together in the Greek because it's not like you have a choice. You will do this. You will testify also. Because you have been with me from the beginning, so the attitude is you have this for a purpose, so you will testify testify is so that others would know are are you catching this? We're seeing now that not only is the church going to be born, but the church is going to have a mission, so he's now speaking forward as he's moving in the direction here to preparing them now, folks, when I hear this um Sometimes in counseling, people will come to me with all of their problems, and I can give them all of their answers, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying, and they'll, they'll quit, they'll never come back. So sometimes you have to lay the truth out little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Perhaps that's why the Lord often referred to milk and meat. If you stay in milk, you'll be a baby. If you give meat to a baby, they'll choke, and they won't take it in, they won't grow. So you have to then, in stages, do this. And as I look over what we will call progressive revelation, Progressive revelation means revelation of God was progressing through time. Progressive revelation stopped when the Bible was finished being written when the canon was now closed so there's no more progressive revelation now we may get more illumination illumination doesn't mean more truth it means more understanding of the old truth that he's already given so we might have more and more illumination but we won't have any more progressive revelation that's why he keeps building towards this preparing them for it now you're ready for this those of you that want to maybe take some notes I want to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit now just in those verses that I've given to you in chapter 7 that is talking about how the Spirit comes in and he empowers us for life, eternal life. So the Spirit of God is all about us getting born again. So that whole experience of getting saved is the work of Christ on the cross in the past and the work of the Holy Spirit in the present. And I'm not trying to, I don't want to split that hair of the the Trinity up, but I wanted you to see that the Spirit of God is that part that gets us into the family and seals us in the family. When you go to chapter 14, which is a wonderful passage of Scripture, When it talks there in verse 16, it's talking about the wonderful abiding presence of the Lord who will be with you. When I look at that, I look at, all right, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Helper means comforter. That means when I'm going through troubles, He will be with me. He will help me to get through this. He will comfort me. And it's not like, oh, you poor boy, I'm so sorry for you. He comforts me so that I now can become stronger and heal and to move forward. So there's a comforting of an encouragement. There's a comforting so that I don't wallow in self-pity. There's a comforting here so I can refocus. That's what the word encouragement, encouragement means to look at my problems from God's perspective. All right. So he, that's part of the comfort, the abiding presence that he's given to me. He's telling us this in this, letting us know that when the church is born, the Holy Spirit's going to be there. You'll get born again at the same time. For those that haven't been born again, the apostles are already that, but they're in the spirit now. They get the power to serve. Now you have his abiding presence, not around you merely, but you have that abiding presence of God in you. So no matter where you go, that comfort will be with you. And he doesn't stop there. In chapter 14, verse 25, it says here that he will teach you and he will remind you. It goes back to what I've already said, so I don't need to park on this, but your teacher is going to be the Holy Spirit once you trusted Christ. To me, I look at that and I say, isn't Jesus smart? What a smart man he is. Because here's what's happening. Remember what I started? Jesus came to what? To do and to teach. Jesus is going to leave planet earth. He ascends up to heaven. So what happened to the teacher? Bye. No, he says, no, 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 bye. No, no, no. I'm going to be with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So my teaching ministry is going to continue on. Isn't that beautiful how the Lord does that? So he's going to teach us and he's going to remind us. What a great ministry the Holy Spirit has. In chapter 15, I think this one is getting us, empowering us to get ready for what's going to happen in the future. The witness, possible martyrdom that's going to occur. All right, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, it's talking about the power, the dunamis, the endunamis, the empowering, which means now I have the strength to do what I really need to do. Okay, go back to the passage again in verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my testifiers, you shall be my witnesses. And if you read it in the Greek, it's a word that means martyr. So you could say you will be my martyrs both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, the remotest part of the earth. And it starts in Jerusalem, spreads to Judea, moves to Samaria, and then just kind of goes global. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And those of you that would like to uh, read ahead, you guys like to read, you know, before next week, you might want to read the book of Acts. It's not that long. I mean, take the time, make the time, put some other reading aside, shut the TV off for a little while, and read. And what I'd like you to do when you read ahead, I want you to see how special it is. It said, you're going to start in Jerusalem, then you're going to go to Judea, then you go to Samaria. I want you to see how the book of Acts is divided with the church plant in Jerusalem but it didn't just stay there. It wasn't us four no more, shut the door. It was, we start in Jerusalem, then we move to Judea. So see how it moved to Judea, then see how it went to Samaria, and then keep reading how it went to all over the world, and see how the, whole, watch this, how the Holy Spirit was going to do this. I don't know about you, but my Bible, I don't know if you can see this or not, my Bible up here at the top says, the Acts of the Apostles. I know what they mean, because the Apostles are busy doing stuff. But I would rather read this as the acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles. So that I don't just, you know, glorify the apostles, but I look at the acts of the Holy Spirit and how he works in our life. Well, what's our take-home point? I, I wrote down so many take-home points and I thought, I, this is way too many for us today. So let me just give you a couple. I put this down. God is preparing us today for our ministry Tomorrow. Did you catch that? Just like he took these guys and he was teaching them all of this stuff, he was preparing them. He gathered them together. Luke wrote what Jesus taught and what he did. He was preparing them for what's going to happen tomorrow. Folks, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know what you heard today is to get you ready for tomorrow. And here's what i like to say. Do you know that you are, hopefully, we are, us, we are better today because of what he was preparing us for yesterday. And so every day we're on this. Now the Bible says in Jeremiah that if I don't move forward, I'm going backwards. Which means there really is no neutral position for Christians. Either you're going forward or you're going backwards. When I was a little boy, my dad, my dad spent a lot of time with me. But we were in this department store like Liberty House. It wasn't Liberty House, but it was like Liberty House. And he said, now Stanley... He's the only one that could call me Stanley. All right, Stanley, you stand right there. I've got to do some stuff. Now, don't you move. I learned a long time ago when your dad says, you don't move, you don't move. I'm standing there by the escalator. And I just, where is dad? You know, a minute with a kid is like an hour. And dad's not there. I'm six or seven years old. And where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? I guess you could do that back in those days. And I'm looking and my dad's on the next floor above. And I'm watching him walk by this escalator. I want you to picture a six-year-old boy with no parent around running up that escalator as fast as I could to get to my dad. Now, some of you might have done some crazy things, but here's what I've learned. If I'm not moving fast up, I'm going to go backwards. You don't stay still on an escalator. God is preparing you, dear dear ones, today for what he's going to do tomorrow. How many tools are you allowing God to put into your toolbox that you'll need to build with tomorrow? The second take-home point for me is this, and I like what we talked about at the very beginning. Jesus is my model and my mentor. Now, I do not want to elevate the Gospels above the rest of Scripture because the Lord wouldn't want us to do that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Therefore, all of it is important. But sometimes the Gospel and the parables and all that stuff, and it says it here, it says it differently in Mark than it does in Luke, eventually we, we, we read it less, and we start reading other parts of Scripture. And maybe we need to go back to, and maybe that's why I went back to the Gospel of John, so that we would really look at the life of Christ. He's our model. Watch this. We, the church, is the body of Christ. I know he's the head, but we, the church, is the body of Christ. I'll prove that later on. So therefore, maybe I need to look more at Christ. He's my model. He's my mentor. And then lastly, what I've said already, let's not put the Holy Spirit as number three on the totem pole, Let's make sure that we trust Christ as Savior and by the Spirit of God, we've been born again, regenerated, Titus chapter one, verse three. I've been born again, so therefore I have life. I'll talk more about that when we get into the birth of the church. But also we need to abide in him and let him abide in us. I need to rely upon him to be my teacher. So practically speaking, my take-home point, I have Logos on my software, the premier reference material for us preachers and you guys that are students. I have hundreds and hundreds of books in my personal library. We have thousands in our personal church library here. I have it all. But you know what? There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit. I will not throw out other books, but at the same time, I want to just get the virgin truth from God. And the Holy Spirit is to be my teacher. And he will often teach me through men and women who are gifted. But at the same time, I need to sit at his feet and say, Lord, will you illuminate this passage to me? Will you show me what it means? Sometimes it'll come quickly. Sometimes it'll take years of study. And then finally, remember that I can't really serve the Lord very long without the Holy Spirit. And when I do serve the Lord without the Spirit a short time, Basically, all hell breaks loose. I mean, I make so much mistake that I need the Spirit to help correct the mistakes that I've made. So I need the Spirit, and we need to rely upon Him. Well, let's close and have a moment of time with the Lord right now. So would you like to just bow your heads and close your eyes just to have some time alone to reflect on what the Holy Spirit might have taught you today about the church? The Holy Spirit has come now. We know that, but we're studying about Him coming Theology is that God will make a promise and he'll keep a promise. We know that the Holy Spirit is very much a part of the birth of the church. And it's the Spirit that saves us, seals us, sustains us, and grows us. And we're so grateful that that all happened when God, the Holy Spirit, birthed the church and then came into us therefore, into our lives when we trusted Him as Savior. Let's worship Him as much as we worship Christ. Let's love Him and appreciate Him and avoid grieving Him. Let's thank Him for His ministries, His sealing ministry where we cannot lose our salvation, His teaching ministry to help us understand Scripture. His reminding ministry to call things back to our mind. His convicting ministry when we sin. His prompting ministry to draw us back to a scripture. His empowerment to live not with our power, but with Christ as we exchange our life for his. But it all begins. The epicenter is the moment we trust Christ is our savior. Maybe today is the day you're ready to receive Christ, and how you receive Christ in eternal life is by simply placing your faith alone in Him. Later on, we're going to learn that we don't have to ask for the Holy Spirit. They didn't even ask for the Spirit when, when the Spirit came. All we have to do is to admit that we're here, we're ready, and the Lord is now ready to come to you. Would you simply say this to the Lord, Lord? I know I've done things wrong. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'd have to be perfect to go to heaven, but I'll never be perfect. And when I die, I'll spend eternity separated from you in a horrible place. And Lord, I believe that you're God and I'm sensing the spirit of God pointing me in the direction of you right now that I'm a sinner and I need you. So right now, Lord, I come to you just as I am. I've gathered together with others who have come to you and I'm in their midst and now I want to be a part of your forever family. And I'm trusting in you alone. I believe that you are the Lord who died and rose again. Now, my friend, it's not so much a prayer, but it is this mental thing that goes on where you are fully, completely relying on Him. It's not just knowing these truths, it's that you're owning these truths for you. You are trusting in Him. Is there anyone in here today that is now realizing that you have been born again, that your sins have been forgiven? The Holy Spirit is within you. You don't feel him, but you know that he's there because God promised that he would come in. You're, you know you have a home in heaven and you finally got it. You got it. And it's because you got him. Would you slip up your hand if today was the day you did that? And when you do, I'm just going to say thank you. God bless you. And just to let you know I saw your hand, but I'm not going to have you come forward. There's nothing magic up here at the front. I'll pray for you, but I won't embarrass you. Am I praying for you? It's just a, A special time for me to just talk to Jesus about a new brother or sister in Christ, which is you. Is there anyone at all today with heads bowed and eyes closed that would like for me to pray for them? Because today is the day you trusted Christ. Put your hand up real quick, real high so I can see it. Anyone at all? Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? Now, Christians, let the Holy Spirit now take the word of God that we all heard together and begin to change you from the inside out. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we're learning about the birth of the church. And we're excited because we're on the other side of this than what we're really learning. But we're excited because we know all the preparation that went into the birth of the church of which I am now part. And so, Lord, we do pray together that you will teach us, so to speak, what is this football? What is this life? Who is Christ? And what does an authentic biblical church look like? And then, Father, when you do, give us the courage to make any changes and adaptations that we need. Father, I thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they had already trusted you as Savior, perhaps this morning. I pray that they would get a Bible and read it and see that it's not a book to take away our fun, but it's a book to enhance our life. It's a manual to build it. I pray that they talk to you in prayer and not little stilted, now I lay me down to sleep speeches, but a real father and son conversation. And I pray that, Father, they meet together, gather together with believers of like mind. There's no perfect church, no perfect group, but at least a group who's, who's serious about their walk with you and yet at the same time filled with their joy of walking with you. And then, Father, I pray that all of us remember that this birth of the church wasn't just so we would just sit, soaking and sour, but that we would take our candle and light the world. In Jesus'
1: name. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.